Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this second message in this series, The Spirit of Adoption, A Study of Inheritance and Rewards. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about one of my very favorite topics concerning the Holy Spirit is the great teacher. Now, when we speak about the Holy Spirit as a teacher, this is not just didactic informational sharing type of teaching. The Holy Spirit as a teacher is always seeking to bring us into uh, the experience of truth. As a matter of fact, you know, there is a cult called Gnosticism, and Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which is the word knowledge. But when they talk about knowledge, they are talking about some type of spiritual, mystical knowledge that is outside of and beyond the Word of God that comes to you through uh, special revelations. And of course, those special revelations always take you away from God, always take you away from the Word of God, and always set you on what I call the endless pursuit uh, of the elusive anointing. And that's, that's all it is. It is a promise just like all leftist promises where they keep moving the goalposts. Every time you think you're about ready to receive what it is, whatever it is they've promised, they move the goalposts and you find out, oh no, I'm just, I'm just not there yet. I got to give some more. I got to pay some more. I got to get somebody else to pray for me. I got to get somebody else to prophesy over me. I got to get somebody else to do something for me instead of going directly to Jesus, the source. Now, as a, as a teacher, and as, as far as knowledge goes in the Word of God, knowledge is experiential in the word of God. In other words, there is an intellectual concept to it or property to it, and there's nothing wrong with intellectualism. As a matter of fact, we need to intellectually grasp the truth, but intellectually grasping the truth is just the first step toward what we call, what the Bible calls renewing the mind. And it is a process that you travel, which uh, changes the way you think uh, and how you think, and it begins to open your understanding, and eventually a renewed mind will influence the heart, so you move out of the mental capacities of understanding and knowledge and wisdom, and you move into a heart capacity, and at this heart capacity, the Holy Spirit is now involved, because the Holy Spirit, like all things of God, works uh, through and with our heart, not through and with our mind alone. So as a teacher, and we've talked about this a lot already, but as a teacher, the Holy Spirit is always seeking to bring about a manifestation of the truth. In other words, something that is real, tangible, experiential in this realm of existence. And so truth that does not manifest, truth that does not bring the promised result is, is no good, it's not beneficial, it doesn't help you, and in fact, it just pretty much weighs you down. And that's, that's not what you want in this, in this realm of truth. You, you want to experience it. You want it to produce life. You want to fulfill the promise that it offers. So the Holy Spirit's job is to take you on a journey from intellectual knowledge 
which is the which is the renewing the mind to experiential knowledge, which is a manifestation of that truth that comes through your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, so we're looking at this scripture. We started uh, in last week's message, looking at the scripture, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now, I can remember as a new believer, and you probably did this too, you read the scripture and you kind of get confused. So you're saying, I'm not saved unless I am led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, that's not what it's saying. Uh, when we began last week, and if you didn't see last week's uh, message, go back and watch it and come back to this one, because we talked, about, we talked about last week, if you put this into context, this is very specifically talking about the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, leading you into this realization that you are a son of God and an heir of God. Now, many of you who have followed me for years, you've heard me say that there cannot be temptation without first lack. And this is so very, very important. You know, people have this belief, and I've had people want to fuss about this. They've had this belief that temptation begins with uh, the devil. So, you know, the devil reads your mind, which he can't do. That is not true. But people come, the devil reads your mind. He sees what you're thinking, which he can't do. And so then based on what you're thinking, what's going on inside of you, he puts a great temptation before you of this thing that you're secretly wanting or something like that. But that is absolutely not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in the book of James that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires. And so we have these, we have these desires and uh, usually they are not good or evil within themselves. They become good or evil based on how we pursue these desires, based on how we think we're going to bring them into our life. And so the spiritually minded person turns to the word of God and relies on the spirit of God uh, for these, for these uh, desires to, to be fulfilled and manifest it in our life in a godly way that draws us closer to God, that makes us appreciate God that helps, him, helps us to recognize him as the source of all peace, joy, righteousness, and fulfillment. Now, the person who is carnal or naturally minded, they immediately begin to look for a natural way based on the world's system to fulfill these desires. So it's not the desires themselves that corrupt us as much as it is the way we pursue the fulfillment of those desires. And so, uh, uh, God, the Bible says God gives everything for our pleasure. God created us. He gave us all these natural desires. He has a godly way to fulfill every desire you have. You do not have to get perverted. You do not have to turn your back on God. You don't have to destroy yourself or your marriage. So anyhow, uh, the Holy Spirit, he is leading us into this sense of sonship. And as we know, and we'll read the scripture again in a few minutes, Sonship is not about getting born again and coming into the family of God initially. That is being born again. We are born by the seed of the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural birth. And uh, so, so these are not synonyms. Uh, always remember, I, I used to say this differently. I, I used to always say that every word in the Bible has a specific meaning 
And if, and if, and if God wanted all of these words have the same meanings, he would have used the same word. He has a pretty good command of the language. Uh, someone that I deeply respect, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Chuck Missler. Chuck is dead now. And honestly, I've never listened to that much of his teaching, if you're the one of the truth. But everything I've listened to, I've really, really, really enjoyed. But Chuck Missler say, says the same thing I used to say. He just says it a lot better. He says, there are no synonyms in the word of God. If everything in the word of God means something, and it does, then it means what God intended by the definition of that word and by the motive for which God was, was speaking that word. So adoption and new birth are not the same thing. Now, let me tell you, I love the concept of adoption. I've got adopted kids I deeply love, and just, just the thought of God adopting us, it, it touches me so deeply. But I also have to realize that adoption is not about the new birth. Adoption is about God bringing us into this place where we actually take hold of uh, we and manage our inheritance and our rewards, if it, you know, quite simply. Now, the Word of God has many, many statements of truth that on the surface seem to be paradoxical. And so usually when people are encounter a paradox, and the word of God are really anywhere in life because they are approaching that paradox with their intellectual mind, then they can't get understanding because true understanding comes from the heart as the Holy Spirit works in our heart. True understanding helps us, helps us bring together all the dimensions of a truth and reconcile all of the differences and understand how those differences, you know, work together. Uh, so, but what, what we do when we approach a paradox from a uh, mental intellectual perspective, we tend to simply choose the one that we prefer the most. And that is so incredibly deceptive because if, if let's say that you're dealing with, with a paradox, for example, let's say if you're, if you're, <clears throat> you're reading and you find the scripture where it talks about we have, have been saved, da, 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 da. And then you come up on another script that says, we are being saved. And you're like, what? I thought we were saved. And man, I have seen people get into incredible fights over that very concept. Uh, and, and to me, I mean, even as a brand new believer, I was like, are you kidding me? You can't figure it out because there's even a third one in this little paradox here. You know, we have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Well, each of those words represent a different dimension of salvation, because there, there's more than one dimension of salvation, and the word salvation itself doesn't just mean getting your sins forgiven or getting born again. The word salvation means be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, you know, sanctified, all, every aspect of what we get through sozo, which is, which is the word salvation, uh, or, or every aspect that, that we receive that brings us into the fullness of the life of God um, is a dimension of what it means to be born again. So I got born again, you know, uh, 50 years ago, and that, that was a past tense experience that based on really the, the Greek words is an ongoing experience that I'm having. But on a daily basis, I am basis, I'm being saved. I'm being saved every time I get healed. I'm being saved every time 
uh, I pray through and get the peace I'm being healed. Uh, in, in other words, every every way that I experience that past salvation in the present tense, I am I am experiencing salvation all over again. I'm not getting saved again. I'm not getting born again again. I am just experiencing it. And in the future, the the future salvation is when we put on the new body. We con completely conquer death. And so, so really, it's just talking about different dimensions of salvation that are all based on the new birth that you will experience in different ways at different times in your life. Boom, pretty simple. And I'm sure that most of you uh, know that. I'll pick a pretty one that's pretty simple so everybody could look at it and think about it. But you will forever run into words in the New Testament that, that seem to be synonyms or seem to be standing in contradiction one to another. Now, as the Spirit who is trying to bring you into manifestation, the Holy Spirit is never, He's never just trying to bring you into information. He is always trying to bring you into information that eventually comes through as a manifestation of the life and power of God. So there's a paradox here. If we look at this just through our intellectual mind, the paradox is, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm born again, so what do you mean? I got I got to do something else to become a son of God. You know, it's really interesting. There have been cults in the past who have taught that yes, you get born again, but you're not really qualified yet for all of these good promises of God. This was a doctrine that the uh, Gnostics taught, and of course they they taught you that you needed to get hands laid on you. You needed you needed to get somebody who had the next level of anointing to come and minister to you, so that they could bring you into that level of anointing and now just, i'm just going to tell you something uh teachers ministers you know they, we can help you we, we can help you in some very very general ways but in reality i always tell people it's like look uh, jesus is standing at the door of your heart knocking i can i can take you to the door but you've got to open the door and let him in and it's got to become uh a personal scriptural event that happens in your own life. And I'm going to tell you something. When you experience the life of God, when you experience a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, you will know, I mean, you will be able to kind of share a testimony about it. You'll be able to say a lot of things about it. But the real truth is you will never be able to explain what happened to anybody because these things are spiritual and they are basically unexplainable. You teach them, you can tell people what the Bible says about them, but at the end of the day, that person's got to go open the door themselves and allow Jesus to step into their lives. So this whole concept of being led into the sons of God. So here we are, we're children of God, and we are actually already sons of God, because when we got born again, uh, we actually received the spirit of sonship. And so, uh, so technically, everything became ours. Now, I think I told you about this last week. I'm going I'm to bring it up again. In, in a, in a uh, wealthy Jewish family, uh, a child is born, and, and usually it's the oldest son that is going to receive the inheritance. And uh, even though he's going to receive the inheritance, he, he has not yet gone through this process of adoption where he is entrusted with the inheritance, and he has to start managing it. He's going to go through years and years of development 
years of learning, years of discipleship. And as I told you last week, this is where the Holy Spirit is leading us through discipleship, learning how to make good decisions, learning how to use the Word of God, learning you know, to, to know which way to go. So let me, let me just read you this in Galatians chapter four. I, I, I just love this passage. It says in Galatians chapter four, verse one, it says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, although he is master of all. That's the paradox. That's the, the paradox that existed in the Jewish family, but that's also the paradox that exists with us. We, we are born into this family and we are an heir now, the difference is we are not attempting to get qualified to receive the adoption. That's not it. We, the adoption process for us is the training to learn how to responsibly manage our inheritance. It's not that, okay, you've earned it now. Now you get to go to the next level of being a Christian. No, no, that's not, that's not at all what I'm saying. That's not all what I'm even implying or hinting at. I am saying I am being tutored, I am being discipled by the Holy Spirit, uh, so that every time I make a life decision uh, that affects any part of my spiritual life, but especially that affects my inheritance, uh, I'm going to make it uh, more wisely, I'm going to make it more uh, uh, thoughtful, I'm, I'm going to think it through better, and I'm going to make the best decision possible under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. So it goes on to say, he says, so even though he's, even though he's an heir, uh, as long as he's a child, he doesn't d differ any from a slave. So remember, the adoption of sons, the word sons there in the Greek is a different word than just the word child or children. He says, so, uh, uh, he says, so though he's master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time of the father. Now, I want you to understand something. This is, exact, this is an exact parallel of what we have in, in the New Covenant. Uh, the difference is that, um, that the guardian and the, and the steward that, is, that has been appointed by the Father to instruct us and teach us is the Holy Spirit. Now, I just finished a series on the Holy Spirit just before I began this one. And, uh, you know, I talked a lot about the fact at how we close the Holy Spirit out. We do not let the Holy Spirit do his work in our lives. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely essential, particularly for the days that lay ahead of us. It's absolutely essential that we learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. We learn to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit, follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, and not be deceived by our own mind and our own emotions and our own thoughts. Very few Christians know the difference between uh, the voice of their heart and the voice of God in their heart. And, and those people can be easily deceived and easily manipulated. So, so you want to begin the, 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 the connection and the growth and the involvement with the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is a personal entity. He's not just a force. He's not just an energy. He's not just a power. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit, and collectively they are called Elohim. And when the Bible says that they are one, it's not talking about one individual, it's talking about one in uniqueness, and that they are uniquely three distinct people, but they are all uniquely the same in character and intention and in everything that they, in everything that they, that they say and do. Um, so 
So this is so incredibly important that you develop this in your life, this ability to hear, follow, trust the Holy Spirit. So it says, even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. Now, he's going back and talking about, uh, he could be going back talking about, about before we got saved, or he could even be talking about being spiritual children here, and that even though we are uh, have been set free from the bondage of the elements of this world, we're still struggling with them because of our flesh, because of our temptation. He's in verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption as sons. So you see that getting redeemed and receiving or taking a hold of adoption. Now, let's, let's just talk about this word receive. We talked about this a little bit last week. The word for receive, when it comes to nearly everything that pertains to what God has given us, is the Greek word uh, lambano, which means to take hold of something, to actively take hold of something, to bring it unto yourself or bring it into your own heart so that it becomes real to you. The majority of believers think that whatever God offers, he offers passively, and that, and, and see, because most Christians are legalists, and they don't know they're legalists, so they think, if I'll do right, pray hard enough, read enough of the Bible, then one day God will decide to give me this blessing, and I will just, I will just passively receive it. No, that is dead works. That is corruption. That is not true. The truth is, God has freely given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, the question is, if we will, by faith in our hearts, take hold of the promise that God has already given, just decide. You know, sometimes in the beginning, you just decide. You know what? God said this, this is true. I'm, I'm choosing this right now. And God, you're, you're going to have to help this come into manifestation. Well, that's the Holy Spirit's job right there. So uh, under the old covenant, our adoption was based on the training of the law and the commandments. And the new covenant is based on believing on what Jesus has accomplished. You know, over in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, if his obedience obtained it, that's got to settle it. And so the question is never, do I deserve this? The question is, does Jesus deserve this? Did Jesus receive this? That's why you got all of these places in the Bible where it says you have this in him, you have this through him, you have this in by, by him, you have this with him because it is talking about the fact that every aspect of the new covenant is only ours because it was given to Jesus. And our faith is about believing we are in Jesus and believing we share his inheritance. By the way, let me mention this. All of it, most all of you know this. Every time I do one of these video series, man, I put you as much meat in these things, many practical applications as I can to help you because I want you to be able to I want you to be able to get through listening to this uh, today or tonight, whenever you're listening to it. I want you to be able to, to bring about a definite qualitative change in your life because of what you have heard and because of what you are now putting in practice. Now, let me remind you, I used to say this at the beginning of all of my seminars, nothing I am telling you is going to help you. And then I would pause and people would look at me confused. What are you, what, what are you talking about? And I'd say, beyond the degree that you go home and put this in practice for yourself. But one of the things I always do, I always create a supplemental uh, uh, cognitive support or heart development source uh, support 
of audio messages that will take you deeper and more in detail because many people are saying, I want to be a disciple. I'm not just trying to be a learner. I'm not just trying to be a hearer of the word. I want to be a disciple and I want to be putting this to practice in my life. So right now you can download the 60 hours of teaching that I have about adoption and rewards. And uh, I, I'm telling you, it, it'll take you deeper than you than you probably ever, ever imagined. So in, in the uh, Amplified Bible, by the way, it just does such an incredible, uh, such an incredible uh, translation of some of these scriptures. So you might want to actually go and look these uh, up in the, in the Amplified Bible. But in, in um, Romans 8, and, and it's talking about being led by the Spirit. One of the things it says there, it says, but you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear. So one of the things that you're going to realize is as you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to draw you into this place where you start realizing this inheritance that you have, as you realize your access and your connection to all the power and the resources of God, I got news for you, fear is going to go away. Uh, you know, uh, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. One translation says power, love, and self-discipline. The Amplified Bible says power, love, and a calm, well-balanced mind and discipline, self-control. And so, and so we, we realize that uh, immediately upon becoming more aware of, of what we have in Jesus, more aware of our inheritance, we realize that we're going to get bolder and bolder and bolder. You know, one of the aspects of the kingdom of God, as far as one of the internal aspects, uh, is, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, the word peace, we think of the word peace more as just having a tranquil state of mind. We're not upset. We're not nervous, any of those kinds of things. And that is part of it. But the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, and the Greek word for peace actually in definition are very, very similar. In the old covenant, the peace offering was the most celebrated and anticipated offering of all of the offerings. Because the peace offering was not an offering that you made uh, to get peace with God. The peace offering was an offering that you brought because after you dealt with your sin issues or whatever it is that had driven a wedge between you and God, then suddenly you have this awareness of God's forgiveness. And, and, and in this realm of God's forgiveness, which is, which is an aspect of the kingdom of God, within that realm, then we realize because we're intimately connected to God, we are also now intimately connected to and have access to all of his resources, all of his power, all of his protection. So as we yield to the Holy Spirit and he starts bringing us into this sense of adoption, into this sense of what we have as our inheritance, we reconnect all of that and it comes alive within us that all the resources of God are available to us. So who shall I fear? Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. I have everything I need. I have God's presence, I have God's protection, I have God's leadership. Listen, go back and listen to every part of this, and next week we're going to come back, we're going to, we're going to go deeper in this, and don't forget if you want to jump into the 60 hours of audio training, be sure uh, and, and check out that. 
Uh, go to our website, drjimrichards.com. Check out all the resources we have and share this with all of your friends. I am sure they will be so glad to discover about their adoption and their inheritance. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.